Well, how are you feeling this morning? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it was all right. Don't be too honest because quite often we ask that question. We really don't want an answer, do we? At least not a, a negative answer. We don't have time for a negative answer. And truth be known, if we were truthful, it would be quite an elaborate answer because we are a hot mess, at least physically. We struggle physically in so many ways, and yet we just assume that this is normal. Uh, this is not normal, but we'll struggle as we go through life with asthma or Alzheimer's or athletes' feet or bunions or boils or cataracts or cancers or celiac or, or dandruff or diabetes or diarrhea or we will have epilepsy or, or eczema or gout or headaches or hemorrhoids or, or uh, MS or lupus or migraines or, or sleep apnea or we, ulcers. We just are a mess. Every part of our life, every system in our body is impacted by the fall. There's nothing that escapes. So from head to toe, we have problems with our hair, we have problems with our head, with our eyes, with our ears, with our balance, with our, our throat, with our thyroids, with our, with our mouth, our cardio system and pulmonary system and, and digestive system and sexually in our backs and, and, and our bones and our blood and our feet and our joints and our muscles. I mean, everything. Right? And if, if we need, if we're going to make it through this life, we've got to have our aspirin and our Alka-Seltzer and braces and our CPAP machines and, and, and our, our dialysis and our Depends and our Canes and our Pepto-Bismol and our Ibuprofen and our injections and, and our, our, you name it. We, we, we are depend on these things without it. We're not going to make it. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, are you on medication? Uh, but it would probably be easier to count those who weren't. Um, now here's the deal. If every aspect of us physically, our physical well-being is impacted by the fall, why might it surprise us to come to grips with the fact that every aspect of our mental health is also affected by the fall? And so we have anxieties, and we have depression and autism, and we have OCD and PTSD and ADHD and we have panic attacks and we have schizophrenia and we have multiple personality disorder and we, we have uh, eating disorders and mood disorders and phobias of all kinds and the list gets longer and longer and, and longer. I, I know this, when I become a Christian, when I accept Christ, my MS doesn't just go away, nor does my asthma just go away. When I become a Christian, my, my mental maladies don't just go away. Um, life does not start for me when physically everything is perfect, right? I'm never going to have that. I am not less of a child of God or less in his image because I have physical issues. Likewise, life does not start for us until mentally everything is perfect. We are not less of a child of God because uh, we might have a mental health issue. Uh, I, I, I know this, if you struggle with the mental health issues substantially, you can, you can, and you're supposed to honor God deeply. And so as you trust God in the midst of the pain and the confusion and the paranoia and panic and uh, humiliation and isolation of it all, as you're trusting God through the tears, heaven's looking on and they are applauding thunderously. 
and hell is looking on. And they are shuddering with fear because God is receiving the glory in the midst of it all. You have chosen, best I can, oh God, I am going to honor you. Now, one day we'll get to heaven, but that's fine. What do we do with our lives right now? Well, we're in this series, mental health series, called Prescription for Hope, and this is the way we're addressing this. We believe there are categories in Scripture of our lives, there may be more, but we've chosen five, that if we can bring, if all of us can bring these five categories under the Lordship of Christ, this is a stewardship issue, if we steward these appropriately and properly, we all will experience a level of mental health that we haven't before. Because all of us are under the curse and all of us can experience a stronger, higher level of mental health. Now, this is easier to, to, to remember if you think of the word spire. Spiritual, physical, intellectual, relational, emotional. Those are the gauges. And Brian dealt with the spiritual gauge last week. And spiritual gauge is actually the hub of all of them. It's like the hub of the wheel and the other gauges come out. But today we're looking at the intellectual gauge. And so if you've got your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Proverbs 4, verse 23. You know, this is a great place. The intellectual uh, gauge. Probably we should look at words from the wisest man who ever lived, right? So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs, Solomon starts off and he says, Above all else. You're getting ready to leave your children for the very first time overnight. You've never done this before. Now Susie's 15 and Billy's 13. They seem like responsible kids. You think they're going to be fine and grandma is three houses down anyway, so things should be all right. You're just going to leave them for one night. But just before you leave, you go over the list with them, right? You know the list. You go over the list with them. Every parent's have their list. And you sit down with them. You say, okay, let me go over this one more time. First of all, I want you to make sure, especially before you go to bed, that the stove is off. I want you to go look at all of the knobs. Off, off, off. Don't go from memory. I want you to look at them. All of them have to be off. I want you to go to the doors and make sure all the doors are locked. Now tonight for dinner, you guys can have mac and cheese and hot dogs, and you know how to cook that. And then, then Billy, you need to clean that bathroom upstairs, and Susie, your room is a mess, so you need to work on that. And then you do this. You, you, you look at your oldest daughter. She's kind of the one in charge, right? And you grab her face in your hands, and you pull it right to you and say, okay, honey, honey, listen to me, listen to me. Read my lips, listen to me. Above all else... Above all, you cannot forget what I'm about to tell If you forget everything else, if you don't know how to cook and you gotta eat those hot dogs frozen, so be it. If you lose the vacuum cleaner and you can't clean anything, okay. Even if you forget to lock the doors, all right. But above all else, above all else, make sure your brother takes his insulin. That's, a, that's an above all else thing, right? I mean, this is, this, is, this is a life and death thing above all else. Now Solomon is gonna, He's talking to the crown prince, his son, uh, Rehoboam, and he's going to teach him about life throughout the book of, of, of Proverbs. He's going to teach him how to pick friends. He's going to teach him how to have integrity and how to have compassion and how to deal with those who are struggling and hurting. He's going to teach him how to pick a wife. He's going to teach him how, how to deal with aged people and how to manage your, your time and how to deal with your finances. He's going to teach them about all kinds of very important stuff. But before he does, he takes Rehoboam's face in his hands in 423. He takes our face in his hands and he says, listen, listen, if you forget it all, okay, 
Above all else, though, you can't forget this one. And that's what it is. Guard your heart, he says. Guard your heart. You know, I'm not a world traveler, but a couple of summers ago, my wife and daughter and myself, we went to the Louvre in Paris. And the Louvre is a great place. I mean, you can get right up to Rembrandt's. You know, they have stanchions like four inches away. You could, but you are, you are, Rembrandt's are right there. If you wanted to, you can reach over the stanchion and touch the Rembrandt. They don't want you to do this. And alarms do go off if you do this. Not that I would know from personal experience, but it does work. It does do that. But you can, if you want to, you can go downstairs to where they have the Hammurabi's Code, not a replica of Hammurabi's Code, Hammurabi's Code, and you can reach over the stanchions and touch Hammurabi's Code if you really want to. But let's just say you want to go see the Mona Lisa. Well, you go into the Mona Lisa room, about third the size of a football field, and there's other stuff hanging on the walls, but nobody's in the Mona Lisa room to see the other stuff. Who knows what it is? But there are hundreds of people cramped together in the Mona Lisa room. And there's this glass case that's locked up against the wall. And the Mona Lisa is behind it. And then there are stanchions about four feet from the glass case. You can't even reach over the stanchions and touch the glass case. And then there are two security guards on the left and two security guards on the right. Now I'm guessing the folk at the Louvre are probably pretty intelligent people. They know what they've got. And as they put everything out, the important, very important, significant things, the most priceless thing is the Mona Lisa. That's what they're guarding. Now, just, just think about Solomon's words for a minute. Because we don't always think that our mind is that, that priceless. Now, we know we don't want to fry it on drugs, perhaps. But that's usually as far as our limitations go. But Solomon says, above all else, you better guard it. You better guard it. And this is why he wants you to guard it. He wants you to guard it because everything you do flows from it. New Living Translation says, because it sets the course of the rest of your life, your heart, your mind. Now, now we know that our decisions determine our destiny. We go through life, every single day we're at lots of, of crossroads, we are constantly making decisions. How we make those decisions, and that's really the rest of the book of Proverbs, how we make those decisions will determine our destiny, but our heart determines our decisions. Look at Luke chapter six. Jesus says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things, check this out, out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth determines, the mouth says, the mouth, mouth it's, it's a direction of life based on what's inside. The only difference between these two people, not education, not heritage, not, not what their last name is or who their daddy is or where they went to school. The only difference is what they've stored up in their heart because your decisions will determine your destiny, but your heart will determine your decisions. You can't expect to soak something in some putrid smelling stuff and then expect it to smell like roses. It's just not gonna happen. And Paul, he's letting us know, indiscriminate 
uh, use of our mind, allowing all kinds of things just in, just open the floodgates, let them in. He would say, no, 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 you, you, better, you, better, you better guard that. Let me take it a little bit deeper. Matthew chapter five, Jesus is talking. Matthew five. He says, you've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, now, follow what he's saying, especially if you were to follow his argument in the Sermon on the Mount, that there are, there are consequences, social consequences for external sins. Absolutely, absolutely there are. Uh, if we just hate somebody inside, we don't go to the electric chair, but when we act on that, yes, there are social consequences to external sins. But Jesus is gonna use this text, this passage, a little bit farther down to say, however, in your heart, the, the ramifications spiritually are, are equal. What you do externally and what you think internally, it's all the same to God. And what you think internally will have incredible consequences. It just will. Let's just say you, you're going to bake a cake and you get to put anything in this cake you want. It's your cake. Go ahead and bake it. Do it. You say, well, I like sugar. So you're going to put six cups of sugar in this cake. Yeah, that's good. And you like chocolate. So just dump a bunch of chocolate in here. Let's make this a fun cake, right? So you're gonna put in, a, you're gonna put in a fifth of vodka in this cake. I mean, it's gonna be a fun cake. Whoa, this is gonna be a great cake, right? So you bake this cake, and your friends are putting stuff in the cake, and you guys are laughing. It's hilarious what they're putting in the cake. You can put a dirty diaper in this cake if you want to. It's your cake. Do what you want with it, right? But you have to eat this cake when it's all done. You cannot choose to not eat the cake. Now, if you knew that you had to eat this cake and you could not, it doesn't matter if it's bitter. It doesn't matter if it makes you nauseous. It doesn't matter if eating this cake destroys your life and rots you from the inside. You have to eat it. Now, if you knew that you had to, I'm guessing you would guard what goes in there. And, and this is just a principle of reaping and sowing. It's all through scripture. Galatians 6, though, he says this. Don't be deceived. Please know whenever God says don't be deceived, the reason why he's saying that is because you and I have a tendency to be deceived here. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Farmer knows you sow corn seed. You're not gonna get up soybeans. You're gonna get up corn. You sow trash and garbage and toxicity. Guess what you're gonna reap? Farmer knows you plant soybean seed and it grows into a, not a be seed, but it won't just get a little bit of seed. You get a whole plant, a thousand times bigger than what you planted. When the consequences come to roost, what's the first thing we're saying? We're saying, well, for crying out loud, I just did this one little thing, and, and the result is, is the, the consequences, the pain is a lot greater than what I did. Well, yeah, that's, that's right. That's part of the principle of reaping and sowing. And so that's why he says, because your, your heart will determine your decisions, which will determine your destiny, you better guard it, you better guard it, you better, let me ask you, are you guarding, are you guarding your heart? You even know what I'm talking about. Because if we, again, indiscriminately allow all the lyrics of the late, we, we let Taylor 
determine what's going on in our heart. We let Hollywood determine what's going on in our heart. We let all of the, the talking heads on the internet just come on in and speak in the philosophies of well-meaning friends, but in fact, far from God, people speak in and, and saturate us. Guess what? We're going to be. Solomon knows. He says, above all else. Guard it. So how do you guard your heart? How do you guard it? Well, four things. First thing we're going to say about guarding your heart is you have to need it, okay? Need it. And by that, I mean you have to really, really want it. You have to recognize that if I don't guard my heart, there's going to be some real issues here. So you have to commit to guarding your heart. In Proverbs chapter 24, just look at this for a second. It says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Don't you love the way he describes this guy? Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. A lot of us, you know what the issue is, starts right here. We, 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 we're just spiritual sluggards. We say, are you serious for guard my heart? I, I'm not going to do that. I don't have time. I live in the 21st century America, for crying out loud. How am I going to do I'm not going to do that. I mean, think, think of a guard. A guard, they give him a gun. Usually there's a reason why he gets a gun. Because the guard's job is confrontation. Or to keep confront. He knows that what he's guarding is priceless and people might want to reach over the stanchions and touch it. Or maybe they're going to want to deface it. Or maybe they're going to want to take it. And the guard's philosophy has got to be, I'm not here to make friends. I hope you like me, but you know what? I really don't care. My job is to guard this, and I'm going to regardless of what you think. Because at the end of the day, my, what, if I'm a success, it's not whether or not you like me. It's whether or not I've guarded what I'm supposed to be guarding. And so Solomon says, your job, guard your heart. You've got to commit to it. You can say, I don't even know exactly what this takes, but by golly, maybe I haven't done a good job in the past, but I I'm going to commit to guarding my heart from this point on. You've got, you got, you got to need it. Then secondly, you have to weed it. You have to weed it. Um, it's, uh, when, 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 you, when you think about this, let me, let me read a quote. John MacArthur's got a quote on this. It's just fantastic. He says, evil thoughts are like candy to the evil thinker. They derive great satisfaction from their imaginary sin. They savor their evil, evil fantasies. They relive them like choice morsels of sweetness under the tongue. They roll them around in their imagination. They return to the same wicked musings from which they can glean illicit pleasures over and over again. They mull them over like an animal chewing its cud, bringing up their favorite evil thoughts time and time again to reenact them anew in their mind. Now. When we come to know Christ, we get the Holy Spirit. I mean, the moment we come to know Christ, Romans, Romans 8, Ephesians 1, we get the Holy Spirit. But before we come to know Christ, it says if we've gone to every pawn shop and bargain basement and garage sale this side of hell to decorate our mind and to pack it full of stuff and the Holy Spirit comes in and he's like, ah, you know, what is this? And so we have to be willing to say, you need to, Holy Spirit, please, would you please clean this up? Would you help me clean it up? Let me use another metaphor. We think in pictures. This is what goes through our minds, pictures. 
So what's playing on the theater of your mind? Maybe, maybe, maybe there's, uh, we've got favorite movies that we like to play on a regular basis, right? Same thing in our mind. Maybe it's a superhero movie starring you, of course, and, and you are always the one winning, and you are always the one saving the day, and you are always the one who's right, and everybody lauds you, and they respect you the way they're supposed to. Maybe it's a superhero movie. Maybe it's a lifestyle rich and famous movie. And where your mind constantly goes is nothing really bad, just this is what I'll do and my ship comes in. It's just covetousness, it's just materialism. Maybe it's a sad movie starring you and you are the victim again and you've been dumped on again and you've been dealt a bad hand again. It's just the way it, it is. Maybe it's a uh, chick flick romance thing, you know, and, and you, you find your soulmate. And you look to what you really got, and you're like, Ugh. so you have to go back to this fantasy, you know, where it's just, whoa, this is, this is wonderful. This is, maybe it's law and order type thing where everybody who's ever been mean to you or that you don't like is in the dock, and you just happen to be the prosecuting attorney and the judge and the jury and, uh, and the henchman as well. Maybe it's a triple X porn flick going through your mind that you bring up over and again. Nobody's really going to going to know. We, maybe it's time we turn those off. We say, you know, I'm not, not thinking about that anymore. I need to weed. The second, third thing we got to do, we got we to we gotta need it. We got to weed it. The third thing we have to do is, I'm say, we have to heed it. That is protected. Proverbs 31.1. Look at this, what a great verse. Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. This means Job had an incredible imagination because all the young women were dressed like Michelin men at this point in history, right? But Job 1, Job, God says, is the most righteous person who ever lived in the world. And so what this tells us is you can be a righteous person and that doesn't mean you're not tempted. Job was tempted. He knew he was tempted here. But what a righteous person is is they know they're tempted and then they've set guardrails. He doesn't just say, well, this is just the way society culture is. What can I do? He set guardrails. I am not going to have that lingering look. I'm not going to have that second look. He's made a commitment. Knows where he can fall. Seeking to protect his, protect his, his mind. And then finally, we need to feed it. You know, if you've got your garden, you can't just weed, take the weeds out. You need to put in organic fertilizer or whatever a verse that I have memorized and I have quoted, I'm sure, more than any other verse in my life, Philippians 4.8. I don't have this on the screen, Philippians 4.8, though. Whenever I felt like my mind is under assault, which is somewhat regularly, I live in the States like y'all do. But it's finally, brothers, whatever is true and honest and right and pure and lovely and of good report, excellent and worthy of praise, let your mind think on these things. And then he'll say, if you do that, the peace of God will be with you. If you guard your mind, if you keep out what needs to be out, if you weed this stuff, you protect it, if you pour in good things, what you'll experience, peace of God. Peace of, you know, it's interesting, the first three words he uses there, 
where it was true and honest and right. Elsewhere, when Paul uses those very same words, he's referring to the word of God. In other words, he's, he lives in his world as well. He's got stuff coming at him as well, but he's going to take time to saturate his mind on the word of God. We live in this world. I'm not calling for us to be um, hermits in caves someplace, but to be discerning, to guard our mind. Definitely we'll need to turn some things off. But we need to turn some things on. We need to make sure our mind is soaked. Brian hit this last week, saturated in the word of God. And if it is, Scripture is clear. Our mental health, it's not going to cure all maladies. Well, I'm thinking it'll probably cure some. But it will bring about a clarity. It will bring about a mental immune system strength that we don't have right now. Now, ultimately we know that we're not going to be glorified and have our glorified bodies until we get to heaven. And I think that's just why Colossians 3 says, set your minds on things above. Look forward to that day because when we hit the gates, you know what? We're not going to just drop off our heart medication and our walkers. We will drop off all mental health medication as well and, and procedures and doctor's appointments because once we enter in, you will experience the most pure powerful, redeemed mental health, more so than anybody on this earth has ever experienced. And so we look forward to that day, and we long for that day. In the meantime, we seek to heed what Solomon has told his son, what he's telling us today, above all else, guard your heart, because your life flows through it, from it. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord. Your word tells us that when we come to know you, you give us a new heart. But, but the, the voices of this world are so convincing and the promises they make, I know they don't follow through with it, but the promises they make are so tantalizing and our, our flesh seems to conspire with it as well. And um, subtlety, even not so subtle, there's an attraction. And God, you know, we don't have to tell you something you don't know as far as we have not been guarding our minds as we should have. But would you remind us, oh Lord, that that's what you would have for us? Would you help us to be wise? Would you help us to, to please you and bring this area of our lives under your lordship, that we might love you with all our mind. I would pray that that would be so. And God, even now too, as we get the privilege that you've given to us, as those who know you, to remember with their minds the fact that you sent your son, O oh Father, to, to die for our sin, to die for our mental sin, that we might be redeemed, that we might know you. Would you guide us? Even now in that, Holy Spirit, would you, would you come and have your way with us in Christ's name? Amen.